and welcome to the podcast where you're so sick of the question, why Satan? We named a podcast after it. And welcome to the podcast. As discussed last week, we're going to talk about how memories are fudgeable. They can be misremembered or even changed after the fact. I also do want to start off before we get into that, noting that, as other people have noticed, I have started to edit my podcast a little less. Um, and some people have actually liked that I'm not editing it as much, because when you edit a lot, you can kind of hear jumps and the different audios. Like, if I lean back or forward, that's noticeable. And if I edit, turn you lean back or forward, it's noticeable. Sometimes podcasts can be a bit overproduced. And I think especially in a smaller community, in a smaller community, like I just did right there, in a smaller community, we can hear a, a podcast of someone we know or someone we think we know who we, who we interact with through social media or just talking to. And they seem like an everyday normal person like you or me, but we listen to that podcast and go, they're really good at this. They're really good at talking. I don't hear any ums or anything they are way better than this than I could be. I don't think I could talk on on a podcast. I don't think I could do videos or YouTube. I I don't want to be on voice with others because I'm I'm not as good at, as speaking with them. And I'm actually I'm normally I would edit some of these flubs out, but on this particular intro, I'm going to leave them. I'm basically going to leave all mistakes in. And I think it's important to show people that People in a podcast cause, well, not cause, but make massive mistakes. There, there are some times when I will record and I will have probably about, oh, ooh, an hour and a half of audio recorded. And half of that is me making a mistake. And again, going into actually how I do my podcast, I'll make a mistake. I'll go. Fuck, I completely flub that. No one's going to know what the hell I just said. So I uh, I stop talking. I write down the time that I spoke, and I continue. And this is something I learned. It's made my life a lot easier. Don't edit on the fly. Um, but And I'll edit some of the big mistakes out later. Like example, right now, you can probably hear my fan. It is making, well, maybe. We'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know if you can hear my fan, but you might be able to hear it. It's gotten a little loud, so I need to lower it, and and you hear a beep. Some a beep might have went through. Normally, I have stopped talking, done a note, and noted what I edited out. And I think sometimes podcasts can be a bit too clean, and I don't like it. Like I appreciate podcasts that are really clean. I I like them. A great example about a really well done podcast that I I've mentioned before, again and again and again is Opening Arguments. Great podcast. The person who does the audio, Thomas, is like, he has like three or three podcasts, and he adds like two more, so he's really good at editing, and he is really good about audio quality. Audio quality, I definitely think, think is important. That's one of the things that I try to work really hard on is the audio quality. But I think sometimes when I listen to their podcasts, I go, my podcast, I am not that good. And so that's the reason I'm editing less. I'm not editing out all my ums. I'm editing some of my ums out. Uh, partly because editing out your ums, and there's something else for that I've learned and it's actually been helping me, 
editing out some of your arm ums teaches you not to say um. It's probably not going to work for me. It's the thing. But I just wanted to get that out there because people have noticed. And surprisingly, it's been a positive note that I've edited a little less. One thing that I did see uh, talking about in a few of my circles is, well, and again, sorry if like, I know some people don't like political stuff. This is one thing that's a bit political, but I do want to mention it because I am seeing a lot of discussions on it. So uh, if you really don't want to hear political stuff, you can like do some time skips until you hear a different topic. But this issue is on the pardons that Trump did, which is horrible. If you, if you want to great breakdown again, I know I mention them all the time. They should just pay me or something for the amount of plugs that I give opening arguments or something. <laughs> but uh, opening arguments did a great rundown on all the horrible pardons that Trump did. And I hear people say, well, can we just get rid of them? Can Biden undo them? And I'm here to say you don't want that. You don't want a president to be able to undo pardons. And I think this is something we really need to think about very much with the last presidency. We don't want to be able to fuck ourselves over later. And here's a great example that was noted to me. Let's say a uh, great example. Barack Obama, a lot of his um, pardons were nonviolent drug offenders, where he pardoned them because they got ridiculously long sentences and because they were federal, they would not be able to have certain jobs. They would not have access to voting, which is ridiculous. Now, think about what would happen if Trump got in and he wanted to make all his racist friends happy uh, and all his quote-unquote law and order friends happy and decide that he's going to undo all of those pardons that Barack Obama did. You then have someone who might have been picked up as a teenager or a young adult on trumped-up drug charges, or maybe they got picked up on drug charges three times and they got smacked with the ridiculously stupid three strikes rule and now they're in jail for ever think about the person who's just gotten pardoned and they're about to go home to see their family who they may have not seen for years or they've been worried that they're not going to see their family ever again or have a life or maybe they just haven't been able to get a job and they were let out but because of the federal crime they haven't been able to get a job Imagine how many lives that would destroy and just be cruel if Trump could have just erased all those pardons. I think that is a reason why as much as we'd love to be able to just throw uh, Bannon and Manafort and all these uh, white-collar criminals who are now going to be able to rob more people in jail again and completely ignore the pardons, we can't. We can't because... You do know the Republicans and the right would, and the white supremacists and basically all the assholes would just use it uh, for not the right reasons. Speaking about white supremacist assholes, I I watch Fox sometimes, like I noted last time, because sometimes I go and help my grandmother and she has Fox on, and sometimes I catch it and sometimes I read stories about it, but apparently... Apparently, Fox News is very upset. They're very, very, very upset because Biden 
has insulted their viewers and Trump voters. And I know it's weird. Like you go, well, Biden's been kind of calm. Like he hasn't really gone after everyone. He's talked about unity, which that's debatable on if we can do that and what that involves. But how could Biden have possibly offended these people? Well, sit down because you're not going to believe this. He dared denounce white supremacy. I'm not joking. I will include the article that was on Raw Story that I found after seeing this for myself on Fox News. I was curious if anyone else picked it up, so I Googled it, and Raw Story did. They're upset because he denounced white supremacy. Now we see why Trump didn't. They're completely admitting why Trump didn't want to deny, uh, denounce white supremacy because it would upset his voters. Talk about saying the quiet part out loud. We don't like you denouncing white supremacy because you make our people upset. And I'll include another, uh, I'll include another article that Raw Story did. Raw Story can be fun. Um, they're not like, some of their news is a bit sensational. Their headlines can be a bit over the top. But another one they'll include is Kara Rove saying he was offended because the racism thing was brought up. If you're not a racist, you shouldn't be worried when someone calls out racism. This, it boggles my mind when people talk, talk about racism and people get upset. It's like, if you're not a racist, why should it bother you? Uh, it just, it drives me nuts. So thank you for bearing with me from my talk about politics. I'm trying not to, be, but as I've said before, I do think it's important. And I don't think this was that much of politics. I think it was more explaining, one, why I think a particular talking point that some people are talking about isn't a good idea. And two, just pointing at Fox and going, yeah, we know you're right, white supremacists. You just said it. But now we're going to move on to the ghost stories that we tell ourselves. And I was surprised I'm going to include most of my research that I found that isn't doubled up in the show notes on it. All the articles I found, at least as much as uh, the show notes will kind of let me fill in and not basically be too repetitive, but I'll put them all in the show notes. I'll put uh, the white supremacist thing in the show notes, like I mentioned. And before I go off topic yet again, on to the next segment. Seriously, and I need someone in the room with me with a roll-up newspaper to smack me whenever I start getting off topic too much. Wow. If anyone remembers last week how I invented a ghost story to myself because I thought it would be cool, and then over time I slowly began to believe my story. That is where we're going to pick up on today's topic, which is why the podcast title is The Ghost Stories That We Tell Ourselves. The topic mostly is going to discuss the fact that we can fuck with our memories. Quite a lot. Other people can fuck with our memories. What we read can mess with our memories. We This happens a lot. This happens all the time. Doing research for this, and just out of my own curiosity doing research before, I was actually surprised at how many studies there have actually been on the topic. When you actually look into everything... It makes sense that our memories are 
pretty crappy. That's why actually in a court of law, surprisingly enough, eyewitness testimony is one of the worst pieces of evidence because people are mistaken. People misremember. People delude themselves. People have biases, which can influence them, even though they might not mean it to influence them at the time. So why as a Satanist is this important? That's an important question on a podcast called Why Satan? It is very important because as Satanists, we tend to want to believe what is true. We want to have understandings of all the facts before we go into something. And while we don't want to be complete robots, we do understand that emotion is a factor. Emotional well-being and emotional uh, feelings do factor into these things. That there is the important basis of what is true and what is not. And it can be very hard to tell what is true and what is not if your memory of the past is fucky. If you think about it, if you're telling a story that is important to your point that you were trying to come across and it's wrong, then not only could you be having the wrong opinion on something, you could be deluding yourself into thinking that you're correct when you're not. It might be as something simple as an incident when you went down to the store last week, you saw something happen. And for some reason, you convinced yourself that you saw someone got hit by a car. I've had this happen to someone I know. They were convinced that someone was hit by a car. Or I, I, You know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't quite remember what the actual story was. But it was something along the lines of someone was either hit by a car or a car accident happened. And what happened was we were walking home from a uh, store. We were well, walking back to their house. And there was a loud crunch or crash. And a car stopped short and someone's cart fell over. Partly because they were driving the cart and went out into the middle of the street. The car stopped short honked their horn because the person walked right in the middle of the street, cart fell over, and some of that stuff spilled out. My friend, however, like much later, um, would recall it as seeing someone get hit by a car or seeing a car accident. Don't quite remember how they phrased it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Nick, if you hear this and you're like, I didn't say that exactly. Th- this is paraphrasing from like, what, 10 years ago. But He swore that he saw someone get hit by a car. And I've been thinking about that story along with the story I taught, well, I mentioned last week. And I was thinking, how did he get to someone getting hit by a car? And I thought about it. And I don't know this exactly, but it probably came from, and I'm saying probably, this is my best guess, of talking about it and saying, dude, I saw someone almost get hit by a car. I saw almost someone get hit by a car. And you just say that over and over again. And at some point, as you're talking about it, you say, you might slip and go, I saw someone get hit by a car. And as we'll look at in some of the studies, that can be all it takes. That can be all it takes. Or someone said to him, it's like, Nick, do you remember the time you you saw someone get hit by a car? And that can be all it takes to screw your memory, which is really weird and bizarre. It, it's kind of creepy the more I looked into some of these articles on it. And th- there's a cool video in one of the articles that I'll link everything in the show notes. And I'll note the one that has the videos in it. But 
again, like, okay, that's important for Satanists. Is what does this have to do like as a whole? Like, yeah, I can screw with everyday things, but it can't be something that important, right? Well, some studies note that a big major event where you know, uh where you were in nine eleven, they did some studies and noted that people who were with each other during that time uh tell different stories about where they were. So clearly an important memory like that or something very impactful can be wrong. I also believe this is what happens a lot with even theists when we talk to them about the Bible. Um, they, they normally take their book own books out of context, context. Let's be honest here. You'll tell them something appears in the Bible and they don't believe you. And they'll say, no, I know that verse. I've read it. I know exactly what it says. That's not what it says. You're lying. You're, or you're twisting the words. And what I found, when I used to go to church, not very regularly, not regularly, but I found a lot of the time listening to the priest, the priest didn't really tell the Bible story exactly how it was written down. And so this is another thing that's mentioned in some of the studies that is authority when it comes to changing memories. Is Sometimes someone you uphold as someone more trustworthy than yourself can overwrite your memories. And that might be what happens sometimes, especially with people who we think mean well, who we're pretty sure are not lying about what they understand, and we're pretty sure they believe that's what they understand, and we believe they've believe they've read it. That is possible as well. A lot of theists I find think they read the Bible. They haven't. Like, I know, for example, my grandmother, I am pretty sure... She hasn't really read the Bible. She've read, she's read pieces of the Bible. I know she's read bits and pieces, but it's probably similar, similar bits and pieces that she reads over and over again. But if you ask her about a certain thing that happens in the Bible, she'll tell you that didn't happen in there. And I think it's because they're told the Bible. And because they're always told, read your Bible. And then they're talked through the Bible. I think they're convinced that they read it, but they haven't read it. And it's just bizarre that memory is this malleable and experiences can be made up out of whole cloth. And I think it's important to understand why this happens and how this happens. And the reason I think it's important is not only just to be able to call out people and say, hey, I don't think that's how that happened, or I don't think that's accurate. I think you're misremembering in telling them that it's okay, it happens all the time, our brains are weird. I think it's important, and from even more so looking across some of these articles and what uh, scientists say about them during their studies, it seems to be very important that we recognize this stuff happens. And in recognizing that this happens, we can help prevent it. We can go over our own memories and try to accurately remember what they are. Funny enough, preparing for this uh, story and looking at these articles actually pushed me towards starting to record my life a little more when something happens that I think I might 
uh, find value in later or something that I might bring up again. Sometimes I write it down. And part of the reason why I do that is so I have a record. If it changes, then I can see that I've changed it. And I think that's important. Not everyone needs that. Some people have a better memory than other others. My memory is not horrible. I remember some things better than other things. I'm a much better auditory learner. I learn things much better when I hear someone else talking versus reading, which is why if I have to learn something, I tend to go to YouTube versus reading it. I, I've always tend to been that way. As someone who uh, spent time learning about education and how people learn, I can positively say that different people learn differently. And even though you hear people say that, well, a study says that such and such, uh, where people have different learning habits is bullshit. Most of the studies, and this is far off field, but I think it's important. Anyway, most of the studies that people quote in saying it's bullshit, it notes that, yes, anyone can learn and learn to learn through the different mediums of learning. However, that requires you to learn to learn. And let's be frank, our schools aren't teaching that. And most people don't have the time of day to learn to learn to learn. It's, it's just not something we tend to do. And I'm sorry, everyone. Welcome to how my brain works. Uh, I, I do tend to jump topics. But as I was talking about, it turns out every time we replay a memory in our head, we, ask, we actually run the risk of changing them. This is because the brain has a hard time telling the difference between what is actually a memory, what's a thought, and what's real. If you think about it, that's kind of creepy. And at first I thought, this couldn't be true, because, you know, when I think about stubbing my toe, I don't feel myself stubbing my toe. And so I did a little more digging, and I was like, well, why, why, why don't we feel the pain when we think about stubbing our toe? And part of that is... It's because our brains react to pain because of input. They don't react to pain because the brain is making the pain. Our nerves are making the pain, and our brain is interpreting that. It's the same reason why we don't really have pain or things in dreams. It's, it's just not how our body's set up. It's why, like, even in dreams, touch is weird, uh, Time is weird, which is something completely different. Maybe that's another show that uh, I'll look into is just just weirdness of the brain. That could be fun. But because when we access memory, we risk changing it. That's big. And one of the studies noted, and this is very interesting, beyond that, beyond that our brain doesn't understand if they're real or memories, when we remember something, it gets stored again. It almost, it slightly gets overwritten. Not quite. It doesn't fully get overwritten. It kind of gets overwritten the same way that a computer overwrites something where the original's still there. It's just harder to access or it's not as obvious. There was a study. It was bizarre and they noted they can't do it on humans because it's completely inhumane and something could go very wrong. But they took some mice 
Long story short, they played a sound for them uh, that was linked to a fear response. They didn't say what it was, probably like seeing a snake or something. And they would play the sound, and they'd get the fear response. And so they'd make sure that the fear response was consistently there. And then one time they did this, they injected the mouse, mouse's brain with a chemical that stops memory from solidifying. It stops memory storage. And they, when injecting them with this chemical during the fear response, they no longer showed the fear response because the memory was stored. Well, the memory couldn't be stored. That's even worse than what I was just about to say. The, the memory was pulled out, was going to be restored, and because it couldn't, it was sort of wiped. It was sort of written over as nothing. The receptors were saying, okay, a memory was recalled. We're ready for that new memory again. We're, we're, we're ready to put it back into place. And nothing went back. So the brain just, at least in theory, this is what the scientists believe happened, is just left a blank space. Sort of like when you delete a file, the file's still there somewhere. Just you've written over it a bit and removed all the access. And while they can't do this in humans because, again, something horribly could go wrong because, you know, think you're being told to remember a traumatic event. They go to inject this chemical in your brain and suddenly you think about the alphabet or something and there goes the alphabet. They can't really do this on people. However, they're looking into using recalling memories as a way of helping with therapy from my understanding of the article. It's an interesting article. Like I said, I'm going to link basically all the interesting articles inside the show notes. And it turns out not only, as I noted before, not only can we warp our own memories, but other people can warp our own memories. They talk about gaslighting as an example. Gaslighting not only can convince you that, that your mental capacities are failing, but they can actually augment or change your memories. Oddly enough, something completely, completely different on this topic, but it was weirdly related, was there's a YouTube channel I like called uh, Cinema Therapy. Um, it takes cinema and it, it watches it and um, a therapist sits down with a cinematographer and they talk about the movie. And one of them was the movie Tangled, and they talked about gaslighting. And it talked about this exact thing, that people can change your perception of memories. This can be done purposely, mistakenly. Group hallucinations might not necessarily be hallucinations. One of the examples that the article gives of this is a group of people seeing a plane or something like that in the sky. And it goes from one side to the other of the horizon. And it, it turns a little bit. It does, it does a little funny turn. And they, they find it weird and strange. And they go, whoa, that was weird. Did you see that turn? That was weird. And over the course of telling this story to themselves, they talk about how it turned. And that was a really weird turn. And that it gets more and more exaggerated. And eventually... They saw a UFO that was doing backflips and flying back and forth on itself, doing turns that are impossible for a plane to do. 
And that's how the story goes. Because they have talked among themselves and they've convinced themselves now that they have seen a UFO. They're not necessarily liars. They're not lying. They believe this. They believe exactly what they said. They saw a UFO. And it's important to stop it before it happens. That through the articles that I've been reading and even um, some of the different discussions and videos that the scientists talked about, it's important to stop it before it happens. It is important to try not to exaggerate important events. Because when you exaggerate important events, you're more likely to misremember them. And we all have, like, we all goof around and we we exaggerate things. And on day-to-day things, it's probably not largely important as long as you probably remember that you're exaggerating. Even, even if you don't quite remember you're exaggerating, most of the time it's fine. If you remember that, well, I saw a fish in the water that was, like, 10 feet big, 10 feet long, that's not going to be a problem. For the most part, it's important when you exaggerate important events. And not only do we have to be careful of this, I think especially if we have theists in our lives who are prone to taking things as miracles, it is important that we remind them of what actually happened. Because not only can this lead to just arguments about what happened, it can lead to scamming. It can lead to people being told, well, you remember what happened. You were healed miraculously because we prayed for you. And that can eventually lead to, well, remember how we prayed for you? We really need to pray for this other person and uh, give them money. Or, well, the church helped you. Can you... Give us, give us a donation. So I think it's important for the theists in our lives that we make sure this doesn't happen to them, that no one takes advantage of this. So when reading this, I thought, all of this, I thought, well, obviously this is probably where a good amount of miracles have come from. So I decided to look things up. I decided to go to the Google. And so I did some looking around, found some articles. A lot of them were the same article. Uh, are linking back to the same article, but one of them that I have a link in the show notes talks about a child who almost drowned. And they end up being convinced because they were a child and all the adults around them stated that it was a miraculous event that turns out when they were an adult, they were adamant that it was a miraculous event. When there were other adults, it seems that don't remember the story at all being there. There's talk about angels and seeing things and miracles and just a whole gambit of miracles. There's also talk about how pressure to have your memories conform to what is expected of you is a big one. And anyone who knows anything about the satanic panic knows that this happened so much during that time period. Not only did it happen so much, but it was it was pushed along by therapists and psychologists using regressive therapy, I think it's called. This one's off the top of my head. It's just that, uh, so I don't have the exact word down. But basically where they attempt to hypnotize you and have you relive a past event. And I believe I've mentioned this in other shows. Hypnotism is already a very dubious very, very dubious practice. 
especially when you're trying to aim for something, it can maybe be helpful to help someone work something out. But it is, on its own admission, making someone susceptible to input. And so if you're talking a child through something and you're asking them, well, did they do this to you? What happened to you? Oh, can... And if they say an event, what happens a lot is, let's say a child says, well, they touched me. And then the adult prods them, oh, did they touch you inappropriately? And the child, as noted in a lot of these satanic panic studies, wants to please the adult. Because, you know, especially the younger children, they want to feel praised. Because, you know, when this child would say what they expect to hear... Of course, they'd get praise. They'd go, well, you're so brave. Um, they'd get attention. And so the child subconsciously or unconsciously uh, or subconsciously would go along with this. This is proven. It's, this is not speculation. We know this happened. But with this, it's even worse thinking about it this way. Because not only is the child going along with something, but now this therapist who already knows how to cause to probably manipulate the mind, they know enough about it to know that these things happen where they're reiterating, they go to the next section session. So can we talk about what happened when you were touched inappropriately? And so now you've made the child go, Oh, right. We were talking about when I was touched inappropriately. And now the child has solidified that in their own memory. It's a dangerous practice. And I encourage everyone to, on this topic, look at uh, gray faction, which is associated with the satanic temple. They go through, they look at psychologists who took part in the satanic panic. They out them. They don't like dox them or anything, but they out them as taking part in the satanic panic and they out their dubious practices. I don't know what the organization that the satanic, um, the gray faction tends to push out, push against is offhand. I will put it in the show notes because I don't want to say the wrong organization and end up saying something bad about apostle positive organization. I want to be very careful about that, but I will put that in the show notes. So not only is it important to know, to not do it to ourselves, to make sure others around us don't fall into this, it can be useful on the news or when you hear an accusation that seems completely wild. It's, it's important to understand that memories can be messed with. And then you come down to as... A spectator, it's really difficult because when a child comes forward and says, well, this was done to me, it's really hard to accuse the child of lying or being manipulated. It, it's, that's a difficult one. That is something to be debated on how we figure out when to call bullshit. I suppose it depends on who, what psychologist they're working with. Um, my own personal belief and this is a bit tongue-in-cheek, is if the psychologist has been on Fox News and then they come out with an accusation, I don't tend to believe them, perfectly honest. 
And not only do we have to worry about that, but I've noticed over the period of lately that politicians try to use this as well. Even today, like you'd hear politicians talk about things that you know didn't happen. Like you were there, you know, it didn't happen. Like good example, right wing uh, media is now talking about how that, well, if you say that there's not a lot of uh, people of color who support Trump, why were there so many people of color inside the Capitol? Why were there people of color in the riots? Well, they must be in Tifa or Black Lives Matter. No, that, if you look at the videos, I that was probably the whitest crowd I've seen in a long time outside of maybe like a share concert. Like, and, and I'm just blown away by the utter boldness or other utter slimeballness of lying to us about something that happened like 15 days ago ish. So what can we do about it? You think like, okay, I, I know about this. It makes sense. But how, how do I apply it in my daily life? I think one of the important aspects is especially when talking to a theist, because this is normally when it comes up or talking with uh, someone you know who hears talking points. Granted, I find lately, to be honest, people are more religious about insane political movements like MAGA than they are about their actual religion. Blows my mind the fuck. So honestly, I have found talking religion is more productive than talking politics with some people. Anyway... So we'll, we'll, for right now, we'll stick with the religious aspect. So when someone notes that maybe a, a theist comes, he's like, well, I, I had a miracle the other day that this happened, and, well, I said the Lord's name, and then I found it. You can ask them, well, did you find it right away? Did, like, how did you know? Could it be that you were asking the Lord the whole time to help and just one of the times it worked or hey um have you ever asked the lord to help with something and it hasn't happened yeah well it could be a coincidence this is also just memory bias as well it's it's a mix between memory bias and well confirmation bias correct i'm correct correcting myself and replaying memories and as those stack up we can convince ourselves of some fairly some fairly um bizarre things. So one thing I'm actually curious about, I'd love to know this. Please like at me on Twitter or send in an email to me. Email me at podcast at ysatan.com or go to ysatan.com where I also post uh, a blog entry for these podcasts and comment down below. What are some of things that you think you've convinced yourself that you know can't possibly be true? Or maybe a story that you have mixed memories of, or something that you know you remembered wrong at one point, but now you're remembering correctly. I'd love to hear some of these stories. Uh, they can be incredibly interesting. Some can be funny. Some can be creepy. I'd love to hear them. And if you let me know them, and you want me to tell them on the 
on the podcast, I will. Um, if you do want me to tell them, let me know first. Also, let me know if you want your name mentioned or username mentioned. If you do not specify, I won't mention anything. I'll leave them completely anonymous. So thank you for like listening again. I always try to thank everyone anytime they listen to anything I put out. This has been a very interesting topic. I plan on looking at this again, looking at the weirdness of the brain again. I think that this sort of thing can help us understand like where we were in our own mental space when those of us who were theists were theists and to understand the theists around us, why they think the way they think. I think it's important to understand the why, because it's, I think, saying that people lie is an oversimplification, and it doesn't help anything. When you accuse someone of lying, they will shut down. So if we can let them know that, I'm not sure I believe your story, but I don't think you're lying. The brain's weird, and then you can give them Give them my funny example of the ghost. Feel free. Uh, the fact that I, I, someone has invented a ghost for themselves by just thinking that by telling a story over and over again. Feel free. Share my stupidity. Feel free. I think it's useful to give examples. And if you don't want to give an example yourself to a friend, give mine. Embarrass me. I don't care. Speaking about ghosts, next week or soon. It'll depend if like, if a topic comes up and I realize that I need to cover it next week, I'm going to do that. But one topic that I've wanted to cover for a, for a little bit is ghost hunting. Because I used to be so fascinated about this topic. It used to be like big to me. I used to watch like the ghost hunting shows and everything. I used to get really into it. I'm embarrassed to say I've, I actually bought um, some quote unquote ghost hunting equipment like EF meat. EMF meters and stuff, and and they weren't cheap. Um, and one of those stupid radio scanners that uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I will. I will completely embarrass myself. Um, please, please don't point fingers at me and laugh when I talk about my ghost story, my ghost um hunting experience, which I which I never did. I never had really the opportunity to do it, but I was super into it. So we'll talk about that soon, I promise, because it's something I've wanted to get to. I've wanted to embarrass myself since I started the podcast. But thank you again for listening. This has been Why Satan and Hail Satan. You know, a few weeks ago, I bought myself a 30-volt, 10-amp power supply for uh, my electronic projects. I'm actually completely surprised I haven't electrocuted myself by now. Go me.